Hello and welcome to Bizarre Conspiracies. My name is Eric Patina. And I'm Conrad Toll. And uh, by the time you're listening to this, Merry Christmas. And yeah, today's episode is going to be about Christmas. Now, we've done Christmas specials before in the past, and uh, one of them has been very popular. <laughs> and I believe that's the one we talked about um Oh, those those ornaments that we hang on the trees were actually quite more uh, gruesome in real life. Yeah, that, that, is, uh, that was definitely a, a deep dive that I didn't want to actually partake in. <laughs> Once you learn something, you can't unlearn it. Well, I mean, some people can, but I do not necessarily have that ability quite yet. Maybe in my older age, I will get to that way. <laughs> yes, well, nor do I. It gets stuck in my brain forever. But we've also done... Um, a few stories on Krampus, Krampus, however you feel like you want to pronounce it. I think the actual pronunciation is Krampus, though. And so, I feel like this episode, this special episode today, is going to be no different. I have, coming up, Christmas Werewolves. Never heard such a thing before, but uh, it's a Romanian thing, and also a Christmas ox kind of like a demon-ish creature that i'll be talking about i'm going to be talking about the true story of the nutcracker and then i have just a generally funny christmas story to share with you all today Uh, but conrad what do you have for everybody well um nothing quite like that (laughs) you've got quite the list there i've got one story (laughs) that's all right (laughs) but it is a convoluted story where there was a um, a film uh, that was based on a tragic incident that has even another tragic story behind it, perhaps some paranormal origins and the and a curse that has followed this original story back to its um, I guess the film that was based that it was based on leading in uh, I think. A fairly creepy story. That sounds... That actually sounds very interesting. We we might save yours for the second half. Alrighty. Um, I don't know what to start with. What do you feel like hearing first? I'll let you decide. Uh, I love werewolves. <laughs> well, I mean, I never want to meet one, but I, I have this fascination with them. Fair enough. So, the Christmas werewolves, right? They are called the Percoli. They are kind of a hybrid of a werewolf and a vampire in Romanian lore. It's an ancient lore. And the thing about these uh, hybrid werewolves is that they love Christmas. Now, they're kind of like dogs who adore the winter because they get to roll around in the snow. But when they're not killing people, that is, these Percolis, these werewolves are unique in that they don't reproduce by biting their victim. They are reanimated corpses of evil men who have committed violent crimes and who just can't seem to get enough of that bloodshed. And if that's not bad enough, they won't stay dead either. After a Procoli dies, it just comes right back. But this time, it's a vampire. (laughs) So, let me get this straight. They die the first time as a, a violent person who has an insatiable bloodlust. They come back as a Perculi, a werewolf, Perculi, mm-hmm. a werewolf. Mm-hmm. And then if you kill, kill the werewolf, it comes back as a vampire. Yep. And then what happens if you kill the vampire? Does it stay dead that time or does it come back as like a uh, some sort of a goblin or something? Well, it always comes back. Always uh, you, comes. Yeah, you can't kill... Apricoli for good. So they're known for taking the forms of a wolf, an owl, a cat, and a bat. So they can come back in any form they choose, but usually, uh, as the lore goes, uh, first, this evil person with the bloodlust comes back to life as a werewolf. And if you manage to kill that werewolf, it'll come back as a vampire. After that, it's pretty much whatever they want. So it's like they're going through some sort of a stages of evolving like some sort of a Pokemon or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could call it a Pokemon. <laughs> but they're not as cute as a Pokemon. <laughs> some Pokemons, uh, Poke- Pokemons <laughs> are not so cute. Well, I wouldn't know. I, I'm, I'm not huge into uh, Pokemon. I'm not either, but I do know that they level up. And when they level up, they change forms. 
I don't even know that much. But yeah, that is the Christmas werewolf. Uh, so what what did you think about that? I wonder... Do you think there, it, there could be some maybe it, truth to that, considering we have I mean, so much lore behind vampires and werewolves, and we have heard of hybrids before. Yes. Yeah. Um, most notably, I would say that that is uh, with the Native American... Um, mm-hmm. What do you call it? Uh, skin, skin, somethings. Uh, it's better not to say the full name. <laughs> so, yeah, it does kind of remind me of those a little bit because those are form shapers uh, that. Uh, but I don't know if those were necessarily the undead. So it would be interesting Perseus. if there is some sort of a, I don't know, some sort of a paranormal cousin of some kind. It could be. It could be. Rom- R- Romania has a lot of weird stuff. I've, I've come to notice. Here is another one. This one is um, Sardinian mythology, and that's the uh, Urchius. Now, the Urchius is a creature that appears as a large white ox, often, often uh, accompanied by a devil. Now, this devil will ride the Urchius, lighting candles at the end of its horns, isn't that weird? I have a picture of that too, actually. You know what? I'm gonna send it to you so you get a clear how, picture of what I'm talking about. How does it stay lit? I'm sorry. How does this candle stay lit if it's running? <clears throat> I mean, have you ever tried to keep a fire going outside? Uh, <laughs> well, he has a kind of like a pitchfork prong type thing that he's constantly lighting the candles with, and you should be getting the picture now on Discord. Let's see. You can see it, right? No. No? Did you send it on the, the I, server? I, no, not, not on... Well, I just sent a message to you directly. Oh, on, no. So you might need to go to, I don't know, your homepage, and then... Uh, no. Hold on. Interesting. I'm going to put it in the general chat, then. All right. Do, 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 do. There we go. Oh. General chat. Um, do you see it? Y- yep. <laughs> How too late? How weird is that? Um, I, I mean, it is that is not at all pleasant. I would say that. Um, <laughs> and I'm told that is a very accurate description of the um. What did I call it? Ethan or Ethan? Urgius. Urgius. The Urgius. Uh, very accurate description. What is it? What does it do? Does it? Do you know? Has it been involved in any lore or legends? Well, any man who has committed a serious misdeed might find that uh, upon a full moon, this Urchius will find them. They will find a house, and below three times before the threshold, whatever that means, someone within the house will die within a year. So it's kind of like a like a harbinger of doom. He doesn't necessarily get you as you would think like the Christmas werewolf uh, would. Yeah. But if you see this guy and he visits your house, it's it's a bad thing for sure. So within a year? Within, within a year. Now, does it have to, is, it, is there like a maximum, a minimum time? So could it be like, you know, it's going to be within a year, but no sooner than, uh, you know, six months or something like that. No, there's no specific time for this one, but they do also say... If a strong and virtuous person is able to blow out one of the candles on its horn with one breath, he or she will be freed from its curse. Huh. Now, to find it and somehow finds the courage to, to I, I don't even know, climb its back to get to its horns? But then you're dealing with the devil that's on its back, so I don't know. That sounds like some sort of a metaphor. Climbing and... Avoiding the devil on the back to blow out the candle. <laughs> um, I'm not sure, but hey, well, if I know anything cool about mythology, the mm-hmm. best way to deal with it is to get it to bend over somehow. You know, because that's the sort of thing oh, that they yeah. do in a, is like you drop something in front of it and see if you could get it to bend over so you could blow out the candle or something. I don't know. I don't know. And for those of you who are listening and want to see a picture of this, I will put it as the uh, the thumbnail for the show over on um, Instagram, where I do posts about when shows come out and stuff like that. So if you want to look at it, head over to our Instagram. 
so the other the other story I have here is the uh, the the true story of the Nutcracker. Now we've all heard of the Nutcracker before, right? At least I some sort I mean, of variation. definitely heard of it, right. and you see way too many of the the merchandise the, being sold, the merchandise, and probably the plays that go on during Christmas. Ah, uh, see, there's I know that there's like the Rat King. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a bunch of rats, I believe, are under his control. And he's the villain. And then you've got the uh, the Nutcracker, which is the hero. I don't, I don't really know. I don't well, remember. I'm about watch to tell the you this story. It's going to be a shortened version of it, but all right, it, it'll give you all the details. So some of the, uh, these, uh, those uh, more cultured than myself, might have gone out and seen, seen the play. Cute as the dance may be, the story's rather horrifying. It starts off with a young girl named uh, Marie. She receives a nutcracker for Christmas, which her brother breaks trying to crack a uh, particularly large nut, right? So he tries to use it, but he ends up breaking it. She patches the doll up with some ribbon from her dress until her clockmaker grandfather can properly fix it up for her. Anyways, that night, while everyone's asleep, Marie sneaks out uh, back downstairs to be with the Nutcracker. But as the clock strikes midnight, things go from mildly creepy doll obsession to full, full-blown full horror movie. Rats pile onto the floor from seemingly nowhere, led by the seven-headed mouse king. Oh. Yes, a seven-headed mouse king. Now, Marie finds herself magically shrunk to the mouse's size. But luckily for her, all of her dolls, many of them toy soldiers at that, spring to life and start battling the rats. They're led by none other than the Nutcracker. Now, it doesn't go too well for the dolls until Marie takes off her slipper and chucks it at the Mouse King, distracting him long enough for the Nutcracker to kill him. Now, Marie passes out, and then when she wakes up normal size, the room is a mess. There <laughs> there are seven tiny little crowns scattered around her. Years later, Marie professor love, professes her love uh, for the Nutcracker. And that night, she finds herself doll-sized again. But there's a catch. This time, it's permanent. And she spends the rest of her living days with the Nutcracker. That is essentially the true story of the Nutcracker. Well, should I say true? I should say original story of the Nutcracker. So, um, yeah, I can see why no one ever tells this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Very weird. And honestly, to, to those of you who, uh, regularly keep up with the show, it should be no surprise. Uh, the actual origins of everything is a lot weirder than, than the public perception of it is, at least. So, yeah, those were my stories of weird Christmas lore for this year. I hope that they did some justice to uh, balls hanging on trees. <laughs> so, so, what is the modern story? Oh, this one is good. So, it's about uh, a, a lady, a mom, who, a British mom, right? And she writes to this website called um, Chump Lady, okay? Uh-huh. And, and it's a true story. It happened in 2018. I just thought it was hilarious. It's, uh, she kind of titled her letter, The Cheater Who Stole Christmas. And it goes on, Dear Chump Lady, So I'm 11 months out, but living in the hell of an in-house separation, she put in parentheses, I can't afford to go out until I have a financial uh, settlement, and he won't leave because he feels entitled. Enough said. Awaiting court date in February. Anyways, I always put the Christmas tree decorations up on or around the 1st of December. It's his weekend with our daughter this time, so I thought I'd do it Thursday to see her face before she went off for the weekend. In parentheses, they live in the same house. They, yeah, for now. Until they get legally separated and, you so know, So, where, where's the daughter going off to if they're both in the same house? Well, I am about to say... In in parentheses, she wrote, The creep always takes our daughter to the OWs on his weekend. Whole different story of uh, uh, fuckery, but don't get me started. Now, when I first read the OWs, I I didn't understand it. But then I I looked at it like, oh, I know what it means. Other woman. So, now that you've got that, 
I go okay. into the garage, or as the Brits would say, the garage, Thursday morning. Before Christmas tree, both Christmas trees are gone. The guy that never gave a crap about Christmas, or how excited I got for it, literally turned into the Grinch this whole Christmas. I cried for five minutes, rang my mum, and then my friend, dropped my daughter off school, and gathered, gathered my thoughts. He's been desperately trying to engage me in arguments for months. He stooped to all sorts of levels to get a rise out of me. I am strictly gray rock and he hates it. The lies, manipulation, gaslighting, plain nastiness, and now parental alienation of my daughter is happening. But this, I honestly couldn't believe it. He knew, I knew he wanted me to lose my shit. Instead of losing my shit with him, I drove all over my city for three hours, time that I did not have to spare, and eventually spent 110 quid, money I definitely did not uh, have to spare either, on a tree. I was adamant my little girl was getting her Christmas tree up like normal, even if it killed me. I put it up, enjoyed decorating the tree, and the stress was so worth it when she came home after school and saw it. I know there'll be some repercussions slash revenge from him. He hates looking like a fool or when I stand up for myself. So I admit I'm scared of what he'll do next. But it was a small victory win for me that I wanted to share with you all here because at times only you guys know how hard and painful this can truly be. I can't wait for this to be over. Sign UK Chump. <laughs> so that was her story, right? Uh-huh. And and the the website that she wrote to actually replied back and this was a reply dear uk chump what if christmas means banging your whore <laughs> so let me get to, uh, let me get this straight you're still living with the grinch but he feels entitled to help himself to the christmas decor and spends his weekend with the o uh, ow the other woman with your child what a lonesome blister of satan's ass this guy is <laughs> merry christmas ow Gift wrap that uh, mother effer with a bow and leave him under the tree. Nothing says holiday romance like I stole my wife's decor just for you. One thinks of uh, Hallmark specials as I'm dreaming of, of, of a recycled Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like small claims court. Silver <laughs> bells I stole from a child. I mean, she won the dreamboat with this guy. What do you mean? I know there'll be some repercussions slash revenge from him. Because you replaced a stolen Christmas tree. How dare you be silent? Cheating and stealing wasn't punishment enough. What exactly is he avenging? The unwarranted tinsel purchases making your daughter happy or that fresh pine scent? He hates it like he hates looking like a fool or when you stand up for yourself. You're scared of what he'll do next. He should be scared of what you will do next. Don't let this idiot intimidate you or do exactly, you're doing exactly the right thing. He wants your pain, your, your pick me dance, and you're giving him nothing. You take that 110 quid and add it to your financial settlement. <laughs> he can't explain his preemptive decision of assets to his lawyer. Meanwhile, you enjoy a very merry holiday season. Soon you'll be writ, soon you'll be, uh, rid of the, um, the effort and that's the greatest gift of all so yeah that was <laughs> that, uh, the modern christmas story the modern and, christmas story you know that, that's better than a hallmark film for sure i wish that was a hallmark film that would be that's like that the, would be accurate fallout. that's like the fallout to a hallmark film like this is <laughs> this is a hallmark film for four years down the road yeah part two this is what happened after they had a, a, a fantasyful Christmas holiday, yeah, holiday celebration. <laughs> now, um, you know how I feel about marriage, right, Conrad? I believe you've made that very clear to me. Yes, well, now my wife occasionally listens to the podcast and she found out about my joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh no and uh i got i got a very stern what do you mean you don't believe in marriage <laughs> and oh. if you're listening it's stories like this now marriage is fine whatever but i believe for the vast the vast majority of people i really do believe they should not get married i mean you hear these stories over and over and over again about how 
crippling the the fallout is and how and how and how damaging it is in the aftermath it's it's not good for either party for the blamey for the victim it's really not and you can see why especially when there are children involved but i wouldn't necessarily say that it is better for the children to grow up without their parents being married though no, but I mean, it would be a much more civil. Oh, oh, what would you even call that friendship between parents? I don't know. It's a it's a weird thing for sure. I huh. well, I wouldn't have any advice on the topic. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, but I, I, I would say that, the, you know, um, the majority of what you see is uh, what you should not do as opposed to what people should do there should be some sort of test for for people who who apply for marriage um maybe like a like a physical stress test (laughs) have you ever taken a government sponsored test of some kind it doesn't work i have not i mean how many people pass the driving tests majority of people pass driving tests (laughs) yes yes majority of people and how many of them are terrible drivers uh nearly all of them so, <laughs> I don't think a government-sponsored test on marriage is going to fare any better. In fact, I believe it would fare worse. Says the person who 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 admitted that they even they that they drive even faster when they come up against a speed bump. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! I don't slow down when a speed bump is there. I drive faster. In in some cases, it. it no there should be like um oh like a take home test wife for like a week that 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 gives you the extreme stress tests you know ah uh, so kind of like um like uh like uh, people who are thinking ah you know what i want to have kids and then like they should they should be given like a uh go to like a friend's house where there's a nightmarish kid and be like do i really want a kid Kind of like one of those things. Kind of like that, yes. So the scenario would be you take home the test wife, right? And and every day she cooks you dinner, but every day it's burnt to a crisp. How much do you have to pay for this service? It's, it's uh, I don't know. How much is the driving test? Like 20 bucks or something? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, standard fee. Standard government fee. For a week of testing. For a week of testing. And every day your dinner is burnt. Is this all seven days or just the five work days? Five five days. It's government after all, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like I said, every day your your dinner is burnt, and then uh, when you ask her to, I don't know, clean up the living room, she ignores you and watches TV. And I don't know what are, what are the other common con- uh, conceptions of marriage. Mm. Uh, She's constantly yelling at you and bickering about the smallest things like, uh, uh, honey, can you move your car to the side of the house instead of the driveway? Because I need to, I don't know, I'm going through the garage and and I need all the space to move everything to or something like that. I don't know. Ridiculous things that you can think of that are common misconceptions of a marriage or are they misconceptions? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it all happens to, to the highest level of stress in this week. And if after that, you come out and say, yes, I think I still do want to get married, then wow. then bravo. Then I, think, then I think we'll have the longest lasting couples in history after that. Well, I, I particularly love this rant because it is the great segue for my story, which is really based around a marriage gone very bad. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> and we'll, you know, what? And, and yeah, and we're coming up to a break. So, uh, good timing. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we're back from the break. So, Conrad, take it away with what you got. In the year 2012, there was a movie that was made. It was called Silent Night. There's tons of movies by this particular mm. name, but this particular one is a horror film. In, in this particular movie, uh, there is a Santa Claus that goes around killing people. He finds naughty people and he kills them. Um, I think I heard of this movie before. And at the very end of the movie, this um, uh, it's a small budget film, 
So I don't think it's any good. I've, I've not watched it, but I, I don't necessarily recommend anybody watch it, but I would recommend it probably over any Hallmark film. <laughs> but this um, Santa Claus guy attacks the police station with a homemade flamethrower. <laughs> and um, after the attack, they discover his identity going, wait a minute, he used a flamethrower. Who? Wait a minute. And then the, the police officer, the main police officer is like, my father before me with a police officer. And they came across this guy's father, who also used a homemade flamethrower to kill the entire family. So this, the guy that my father stopped went to his ex's house and burnt down the house with a homemade flamethrower as well. This must be so-and-so's child who was there at the time and survived. And that's how they find out who the bad guy is, because, you know... It somehow ties to the protagonist's father who they never got, you know, closure for their death or something like that, you know? Mm. But the, this, anyway. So apparently. What is so particular about this film is that there was a particular stuntman. His name was Rick Skeen. He's a, a quite a, I, I say, adept stuntman and his one of his particular favorite stunts to do is where he uh will light himself on fire and will you know for the film act like he is burning to death but due to the safety mechanisms and all of that he will actually get out of it unharmed the flames are real but he has managed even though he himself is on fire in his fire suit he doesn't actually get burned in the making of this film, though, for whatever reason, Rick Skeen had, there was oil that was in his pants leg, uh, mm -hmm. some sort of a motor oil that had dr uh, not dried because oil really doesn't dry too fast. But like, you know how when oil gets into a cloth and then it, if it's not, you know, saturating the whole cloth, it actually slowly uh, creeps outwards like um, fuel sure. does along a wick to the point where you can hardly even notice that there's oil there anymore but it makes the cloth much much more flammable and it burns much much hotter so this oil on his pants leg caught fire and actually burned through that suit part of the suit faster and burned his leg pretty bad in the making of this film and he's an accomplished stuntman and he he is not a daredevil he says that uh, in all of his days as a movie actor he makes it look like he's in peril without being in peril a daredevil will only do something once because it is actually dangerous for them the the peril that you see a daredevil in is actually in jeopardy but him as a stuntman he will always do consulting with the um producers and all of that and he'll go over every every inch of the actual set and he'll make sure it's all perfectly safe and how to make it look like he's getting hurt without actually getting hurt. And he'll do it 20, 30, 40 times and they'll film it because, you know, in a, in a movie you have to film something multiple times. You never just take one take. So mm. since he does it so many times, it has to be safe because if it's not safe, eventually the probability will come up with uh, him getting the short end of the stick, that particular one and bam, he's hurt. Right. So he went looking into this suit and to figure out exactly how it is that he got so badly injured. And he never could find a suitable explanation for why exactly something that tragic happened on that particular set that day. But why do I bring up this story? It's because I don't think the stuntman has at all put this together. I don't think he'd be interested in this, but the film was based upon the um, a massacre in Los Angeles, California. This There was a disgruntled guy who dressed as Santa Claus, took a um, flamethrower to his ex's house on Christmas Day, knocked on the door, and when the door opened, he started shooting and uh, burnt down the whole house with um, and, and killed, I think, nine people, including his ex. And then he left and committed suicide. So this was the dark origin story that this film was actually based on. To make things a little weirder, this homemade flamethrower malfunctioned a little bit. And when they found the body 
of the guy uh, that did the mass murder, his Santa suit had been burnt and had actually adhered to his leg. The same leg that got burnt, uh, what? Rick Skeen's leg, almost an exactly identical as actually happened in real life, happened in the portrayal of it in a fictional film. It gets do it you on. do you believe in coincidences? Uh, not in this particular case, though. I, I, I w- this alone is not too awfully unusual. The most unusual thing about this particular incident, the real life incident, is that area of Los Angeles has been well known for its paranormal activities. Do you think some kind of curse followed that I don't know that 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 guy, and then when they made the mm-hmm. film about him, it, it I do happened. want to do I do want to do curses on films because I do believe there is something there. The most well-known, of course, is the Macbeth curse. I would say, uh, that, well... So, the idea that there is, you know, curses that can follow a fictional story, I'm not ruling it out. There is so, um, another really famous case of curses on, on film sets. And that's when they did The Exorcist. Did you hear about that one? Um, no, but I've heard about several, so I think it would make it for a great topic to uh, oh, yeah. cover all of these. I think we should do that. I think uh, that sounds like a great idea. So the the most oh, not uh, so the the thing that is you know with all mass murders, you always hear that the family of the 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 person who commits the crime always will say, "Oh, you know, I can't believe he did it. He was always such a nice guy. How could this ever? I never thought he would be the type to do that, right?" And this family was. No different. They, but it's a little different with him. The other ones, they say, you know, he was a nice person. You know, he had difficulties or troubles or, you know, he was a little odd, but I never thought that like, he would do that. With him, they said is he never quite seemed to be there. There was always something <laughs> off about him. You wouldn't notice it if you just met him. But all of these things would happen to him and it just, he never seemed to grab onto the reality and the actual understanding that what was going on, the gravity of what was happening. Um, one of his uh, previous girlfriends said that he, when she was drowning one time, fell out of a boat and started drowning, he didn't even seem to consider, uh, when she, you know, they pulled her out of the water and she's coughing water out of her lungs like she was real close to drowning. Mm-hmm. And he was just never seemed to even understand that you know, that was life-threatening. Just He just thought it was an unusual thing that happened and kind of thought it was amusing in a way. And when they were looking and investigating his, into his motives, the police believed that the motive was tied to the divorce, which makes sense. He killed his ex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a few odd things. This man clearly had um, premeditated it. He had been gathering the supplies and all of these things for quite a few days, uh, six months or so that he had been, you know, preparing for this. And when he had got there on his leg, he had strapped um, a packet of cash. I think it was like $8,000 or something. And he had bought a ticket to Canada on an airline. And so some people thought that the police speculate that he was planning on fleeing to Canada, but after the red vest, a, a red red vest, red pants adhered to his leg, that and he was severely injured, he gave up all um, plans of fleeing and just committed suicide. But there was another theory that another uh, other detectives have had that he never planned on running, and that was just a um, a ploy to help throw off police, and that he was planning on staying in the town. That if he bought a ticket to going to Canada, then people would have, um, when they did the police investigation, they would have looked for him in Canada, right? But they found some evidence suggesting that he never even planned on leaving to go to Canada in the first place. That all the people that knew him, um, that he had, uh, there was like no evidence showing that he was packed or ready to go to Canada. Interesting. um, actually no evidence that he'd looked like he was going to flee the city entirely except the money that was to his leg, which he couldn't get to. And in fact, the reason that they were still on his body when they found him is because the suit was stuck to his leg. Hmm. So kind of unusual. So, you know, overall, it doesn't 
really stick out a whole lot until you consider that the area that it was in. Uh, there is, in Los Angeles, two creeks that run parallel of each other about a mile apart. Uh, and I, I can't I never figured out exactly what the name of these creeks are because, you know, go from one creek to a lake and then there would be a lake uh, creek coming out the other side of the lake and it would have a different name on the other side of the lake. Uh, But I did find uh, that one of the creek segments was called Walnut Creek. Another one was called San Jose. Another one was Thompson Wash. And between these two rivers, there is... Not rivers, creeks. They are puddles, pretty much, trickling little bits of water. Mm-hmm. Between them, there are all of these small um, but joining uh, national parks, national and city parks. And the there is these this area is extremely wrought with paranormal activity. There's the um, um, the the Gravity Hill in that area where a bus had turned over on this hill and it had killed all the children that were inside. And on this hill, if you park it, if you park, go onto this hill on the side, put your car in neutral and then take your foot off the brake, you will roll uphill. And on the back of your car, you will find handprints of children on the back of your car. And the theory is that there are little children that died in that wreck who are pushing your car up the hill. We have that same paranormal story here in San Antonio. And uh, uh, there's uh, one of the forests there uh, that there was a mass murderer in uh, Los Angeles. There's been multiple uh, mass murderers in Los Angeles. Yeah, because California's full of nut jobs. And um, this particular um, forest, it said if you go there, you can hear the screams of his victims late at night. And there's a, there's a few others that are uh, tied to uh, people going insane. There is an asylum in the area, and there are, there are people that have died at the as- asylum who are said to have come out of that asylum and walked across the road. And people just see uh, the specters of people leaving the um, asylum, mm-hmm. but they're not actually leaving the asylum. They're just specters. So uh, there's also been reports tying it to Christmas as well. Uh, People reporting seeing just um, long dead uh, parents sitting uh, that will come to visit. It'll be Christmas night. A lot of the guests have gone home. Just people that are going to be spending the night are there. They're staying up really late on Christmas night. They've had the whole day celebration. And then they'll look over and they'll see the, um, the, the specter of a long lost dead one. Is, uh, this, loved one. is this tied to like a particular area in California or just in California in general? That one's more general, but there was a few incidents of it happening in the localized area of Los Angeles. Why is Los Angeles such a hot spot for this? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I have a few have a long history. I, I, I have a few theories um, which kind of tie the whole thing together. My favorite one, which I will go first because I think it is actually the least likely, Mm -hmm. is back in the 60s, there was a group of the KKK that was there. And yeah, you know it's got to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Go Uh, on, you have my ears. The KKK and FIRE are very well um, known to coexist. And the idea is that the hatred... Because, you know, specters and all of that, they feed off of um, supernatural forces, right? There's some, they're, they're vestiges left behind of life and they're tied to intense emotion. Nobody has, a, you know, ghosts that are roaming around a place where they felt absolutely nothing about. It's like, yeah, yeah, this here, is, this is uh, Johnny. He comes back and he walks around his place of work. He died at home relatively peaceful life you know that's never a ghost story it's always you know he roams the store because he died in a forklift accident here and he was trying to save his co-worker and he <laughs> went over there and did that and then the thing he toppled over and fell on top of him and you know was in this fit of intense emotion and fear and caring for his employee uh, uh, that and he died in and now his spirit roams the the warehouse late at night warning people about make sure you stack that properly don't want to come falling down 
you know, that's a ghost story. They never have a ghost story of just like, yeah, it's Bob. He's doing things that he doesn't care about, never cared about, you know? Um, so what does it, what does it have to do with like the, the KKK, right? <laughs> right. The KKK inspire a lot of negative emotion, right? A lot of it. They had it. They made it in other people. They, there was plenty to go around. Mm-hmm. And they... Uh, the 60s was kind of before it all started happening, but then again, I can't find a lot of pre-internet stuff that relates to the 60s. Most of the stuff that I found was like the 21st century and earlier. Um, but th- this group that lived up in, on that air in that area, uh, or at least met in that area, I mean, that's one of the earliest because that area in the 60s was not part of Los Angeles. Los Angeles expanded over the years and encompassed that area later. It's one of the edges of Los Angeles, but it wasn't part of Los Angeles at the time. So that's one of the earliest mentionings of that that I could find was that it was a uh, resort. Well, not a resort, but a a meeting ground for unsavory individuals. Mm. So, uh, so how does that fit in the KKK with arson? <laughs> right? Yes, yes. Do I need to make this connection or do other people can they kind of fill this in on for their own selves? That's my theory there. Um <clears throat> and that so the then if if and so the the bring this uh, the other theory is is that it has to do with just all the the murders that happen there. Um which is probably more likely because mass murderers there's a lot more paranormal activity around um mass murderers right right uh so that one's just overall more likely i've never heard of a kkk ghost i mean they 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 wear the whole sheets and everything but they don't turn into ghosts later uh what if they are ghosts but they're just like normal ghosts i don't know that would be um that would be a weird one (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah uh I don't I don't know if that works. <laughs> um, so you think that this guy who dressed up as Santa to to kill his ex-wife. Do you think, think do you think it would have been avoided with a, a governmental stress test? No. No. So to get more into what caused him to do it. I don't think like he's in uh, that he is not, you know, guiltless or, you know, he wasn't, he had nothing to do with it. But I do think that if paranormal is to be involved, then I think that, you know, he was a likely candidate for, I don't know, possession or something. What did they, did they film this movie near that area? No, they actually filmed it in Canada, round about the area that he was going to fly to. You know, it's so odd because... You hear about all these weird kind of like um, supernatural occurrences that happen uh, to people. Like, let's say you visit like the the Borden house, right? The Lizzie Borden house. And you mm-hmm. stay there for a night because it's kind of like a tourist attraction for ghost hunters. You stay there for a night, you go back home. And then you find that, you know, a little bit later, there's like activity going on. Like something followed you back home. And it's so strange to me. Like, I, I never thought of, like, ghosts or, or, or like, like, deceased people who haunt sets and stuff like that travel so far to just mess with the people who are doing or, like, recreating their life in, in such well, that's, a small part. It's actually part. a fairly common story with um, paranormal is that if you say uh, a chant or you do a phrase... Uh, or you do some sort of a ritual. Yeah, some yeah. Sort that's of like summoning them to you. Yeah. I can understand that, but like... So the idea is with... Um, like, does this uh, stunt man like, think about the actual guy who... It depends how this? much... Did he just get into character too much? <laughs> I was going to say, did he just dive into this character so much that he believed... You know, that he believed he was the original guy and he like embodied that negative energy or something? I don't know. The information around this low-budget film is uh, <laughs> fairly scarce. Um, in fact, uh, a lot of the information that I was able to find about the um, uh, find about this uh, Rick Skeen guy actually had nothing to do with that particular film. 
uh, or didn't at least mention that film by name. So that film is really hard to find information on. Exactly where it was um, filmed is hard to find as well. I, I mean, it's just that it's in Montreal, which is a wide, vast area. Mm-hmm. But that's like the closest I can narrow it down to. Uh, but, you know, it makes sense that you'd want to film a Christmas movie in Canada. Canada. You wouldn't want to film a Christmas movie in Texas. It'd be like, yeah, no snow. <laughs> some green grass growing over there because it's, it's so It's really enough. hot in Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So it, it makes sense that they have it in Canada, um, not Los Angeles. They could have filmed it in, like, New York or something. Yeah. But so I do think that, you know, if you're an actor and you're putting on the role of somebody, I I do think that that does or would somehow connect you to their um, lingering vestiges. So just making a movie about this guy is well, I mean, enough of a signal for him to be like, hey, I'm going to mess with these people on set. I think so. Because if you look at haunted, cursed stories like Macbeth, sure, it's not really and it's always tied to the lady macbeth and uh uh lord macbeth you know that the the bad things happen to it's not like yeah there was a dude who was like a uh an extra and like things kind of happened to him and most i mean sometimes yes but the majority of it is like yeah do you know the guy who played macbeth he fell and broke a leg well that's good in the acting business no like he literally broke a leg (laughs) (laughs) So it does seem to follow around the people who were portraying uh, Macbeth and Lady Lady Macbeth and Macbeth. Interesting. Um, but the reason why they believe that Macbeth was cursed, you know, has to do with the witches. I don't know if it has to do with the witches. Maybe it has to do. I actually with, don't know uh, too much about because that. Because Macbeth, Macbeth is based on a true story. I know that much. I just don't know the whole story. So maybe it has nothing to do with the curses in there. It has to do with the fact that it was based on the true story and what's going on is the ghost of Macbeth is there. Yeah, that could very well be. I don't know. It might make you want to think twice about performing a character in a fictional movie based on a true story. Maybe that's why true stories in films are so far removed from the actual true stories. (laughs) Dude, I ain't doing that. Sometimes they are, yeah. Well, I'm really interested in doing... Uh, an episode dedicated to that. I, I I think it'll be pretty fun for the audience too. But the the weird thing about this mass murderer guy is his his life was not doing so good. I mean, you could you could look at it like his extraneous uh, going ons, and you could be like, oh yeah, that drives the guy to be a mass murderer because before he was divorced, um, he was that was his second marriage that he had been divorced to from at that point. So that was his second wife that he went and murdered. When he divorced his first wife, it's because their child was involved in a swimming pool accident and was mentally damaged. I couldn't find a whole lot of information on that one either, but it was some extreme circumstances that he went through then. And then he was later fired. Uh, so he did the crime in December and he was fired from his work in July. Uh, the previous July. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was fired for um, tampering with, um, he billed too much is what was going on. His company found out that he was billing too much. I don't know if he was working as a contractor for a company and he was billing them too much and they fired him. Or if he was working for the company, and he was billing the customers too much. I don't know. He was fired. Interesting. But when he was fired, he was no longer required to pay child support. The court said, you know, since you don't have a job, you don't have to pay child support. But he had mentioned to his friends earlier that his wife was taking him to the cleaners in their divorce. He was paying something like a thousand and plus a month. The, the first wife? Second wife. He the, the wife that he killed. So, uh, he's, so that's why he went over to her house? But here's the weird thing. You would think so. But like he never had any indication or showing that he was going to do this beforehand. Never like with most exes that are like going to go kill their uh, spouse, right? They they will always indicate it. They'll be like, you know, you are like a terrible person. I'm going to be mad. At you. I'm mad at you, and I'm going to do terrible things to you. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, it's not uncommon that you hear people saying that in a divorce these days. And most of the time, they don't mean anything by it. They're just super angry exes. 
I mean, my parents were divorced. I know what a super angry ex is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But he didn't do any of that. And his friend said, you know, even after he was fired, even while he was in the middle of preparing for this, he was unusually cheerful. He was just, you would have never guessed that he was a dude that was divorced. And maybe he was just hiding it, putting on a show. But that kind of, but like I mentioned before, they always said he never seemed to understand the gravity of the situation that he was in. He was a smart guy, but he just never seemed to understand or live in the present. Maybe he, he didn't, maybe he didn't want to realize it. But that this was before. This was, you know, this is like the, the same description they've had of him for like the past 12 years. So it's not like it's just, you know, this was his child that did it to him. Or the death of, well, maybe it was. Maybe with the death of his first child. Well, that wasn't, his child didn't die. He just was severely injured. I don't know. So, but it's just his weird behavior was very different than most exes that I've seen. And the homemade flamethrower, that is weird. Who makes a homemade flamethrower and goes and assassinates their ex with it? That is... Only a Californian. Now, <laughs> uh, I say all that and they're like our highest so, listener base. You know. <laughs> we love you, California. But they do tell us... Well, California knows they're weird. They know that. that they yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Y'all know you're weird. But also... For those of you who are listening that are in California, please let me know all the crazy lure that happens there. I know there's a lot and we like probably didn't even scratch the surface. So send an email. I want to know. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. All the um, different types of, uh, because in doing this, I was looking for like ghost stories in Los Angeles, trying to find anything that correlated with it. And there was a lot of stuff that didn't. So, you know, I didn't bring it up, but. I did find quite a lot of ghost stories happen in Los Angeles. So, if you if they've got good Los Angeles ghost stories, I mean, that that is yes. Please I mean, submit them. Well, I want to keep it relatively short because I want to edit this uh, quickly <laughs> and get it out to b- before Christmas. So, yeah, good story, Conrad. Really good story. We're definitely gonna have to follow that up with uh, an episode of just you know movies or or. Uh, TV shows that have curses. I think that'll be. But that will do it for today's episode. So thank you so much for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. And I hope that you have a Merry Christmas and get all the presents that you don't want and don't deserve. (laughs) Conrad, any uh, final thoughts on today's subject? The same that's always for all the Christmas specials. Bah humbug. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll catch you in the next episode.